Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski. Oregon's down by 12. They're on a 45-yard line with no timeouts. Oregon's got an All-American field goal kicker. Why didn't somebody tell me? Bet with an edge. He'd find out the kind of inside stuff nobody else knew, and that's what he put his money on. He even figured out the different bounce you got off the different kinds of wood they used on college basketball courts, you know? Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski. A friend of mine is very smart, said I've been very lucky with gambling. I've never won. Bears, Sox, USFL, that's right, USFL, NFL, college football, MLB, all coming up in the next hour. whole bunch of sprinkles. That's what everyone calls it nowadays when you take an underdog on the money line. Happy 4th of July weekend. Broadcasting live from the Score Hyundai Studios, presented by your local Hyundai dealers. We'll get to the Score's Gabe Ramirez in a few minutes. Follow me, tweet me. At Joe Ostrowski, that's at Joe Ostrowski. I caught myself on Thursday morning. NBA free agency starting later that day. I began to utter the sentence on the air that it was shaping up like a boring NBA offseason. Jalen Brunson, good player. But if he's the golden ticket at $110 million, what do we really have this offseason? Not much, right? Oh, but it's the NBA. So I caught myself because something insane always happens. Never, ever boring. Some would argue that it's better than the actual season, which you could make a strong case for, certainly with the uh, playoffs that we just watched. Almost every game a blowout. I mean, we could really start anywhere, but let's go Bulls to begin. Not getting Rudy Gobert and... After seeing the haul that Minnesota sent to Utah, I'm just fine with that one. Levine, back just like everyone expected. All the reports said it was happening. AK doesn't give you a morsel of information. But he was telling you it was going to happen. You could have bet Levine to be back with the Bulls at minus 250 the other day. Minus 250. I'm not one to lay a price like that. Such a heavy favorite. But it was one of those scenarios where minus 250 had value because it should have been minus 1,000 or even higher than that. We also have a new favorite for the next NBA championship. No, not Phoenix, not yet. Minutes after Malcolm Brogdon went from Indiana to Boston, a number of sports books installed the Celtics as your new favorite. You didn't think I was going to say Boston, did you? And Kevin Durant blew 
everything out of the water. It's tough to have an NBA futures conversation without knowing where KD and Kyrie are going to be playing basketball, but I have an ankle that maybe you want to consider. Phoenix, reportedly where Durant wants to go. They have the assets to make it work. Suns, minus 200 to land KD. Right after that, it drops all the way down to plus 700. So all signs pointing to Phoenix, and Aiton probably won't be back. Plus 700. That's going back to Brooklyn. Once these things get rolling, they usually don't stop in the NBA. Kyrie, tougher to figure out. Lakers, minus 125 favorites. Nets, second at plus 425. The Mavericks at plus 550. Fascinating. The idea of pairing Luka and Kyrie in Dallas. So instead of chasing the Suns, Lakers, or heat prices, which have already been cut in half just based off speculation, I'd go elsewhere. With those numbers dropping, where's the value? Which odds got better for the better? Because as those odds drop, others must increase. If Katie and Kyrie do, in fact, go to the Western Conference, does it flip again? Meaning the East was more challenging this past season, so now are we back to the West being the tougher conference? And possibly the easier path is in the East. So maybe concentrate on attacking that side. Or that mid-range in the West looks pretty juicy. They lose Brunson, but you know the Mavs are going to improve. You can't waste a Luka season. They went from 14-1 to up to 27-1. to Okay, on speculation, because apparently KD's coming to the West. Grizzlies bumped up to the mid-20s. Memphis looked strong against Golden State, and then Ja got injured. Expect both those teams to be in the playoffs. You know, the Mavs won, something you already know that you have is one of the best players in the world. Just another way to possibly attack Kevin Durant changing teams. They give us no time off the association. In three weeks, we get the finals, the draft, and this frenzy. I love it when Gabe Ramirez is filling in on the weekday shows when I'm doing the weekday hits here on 670, the score, because I know we're going in deep. He knows what he's talking about. He knows exactly what he wants to bet on that night over the next couple of nights or a possible futures wager. And he wants to get my thoughts on that. Follow Gabe on Twitter at Chicago underscore Gabe. You know him as an evening host right here on Sports Radio 670, The Score, and on the BetQL Network, where I've got BetQL Daily Monday through Friday. He's got a Saturday show, Chalk Talk, 6 to 7 o'clock. So check that out on the Odyssey app and also 105.9 FM HD2. Busy man, Southsiders, brand new Odyssey podcast. Make sure you subscribe, and there's Bears Unleashed on Fox during the football season. Did I get it all, Gabe? I got two kids. I got to pay the bills. So <laughs> I need as many jobs as possible. <laughs> so is the uh, group of DGENs at 670, the score growing? Are we getting the job done yet? You think? Is there anybody else that, that we can put in, uh, in our group? I feel like everyone is secretly a gambler. You know, they, they, they don't talk about it enough because they're probably losing too much money. They're not listening to us enough, <laughs> Joe. So I think that they're all in there. They're all gambling. You always hear people say they're putting money here and there. But probably not as not betting as often as I am or, or you are, Joe. Yeah, once they hear certain things, like, oh, maybe that's <laughs> that's not a bad idea. 
So we can go a number of directions, but I but I saw something on the Bears that made me want to start here. Man, you thought Bears fans are down on the Bears? Sports betters, even more so. So now we're starting to get to the point where you get a bunch of season-long bets. Not a lot going on, not a ton. And so we're starting to get reports on bet percentages, how people are viewing teams going into the season. Now, typically with win totals, overs are going to be very popular. And if you check in with sports books, a lot of overs are very popular. However, the most popular bet that we see from the public right now is the Bears under six and a half wins with the very soft schedule that they have. In fact, I saw a report the other day that one of the main sports books is uh, saying that the Bears under six and a half wins is the most lopsided season win total bet that they have. Over 95% of the bets, Gabe, are on the under, nearly 18 times the money on the under. What do you think? Well, I mean, the, the most telling thing there is that the line hasn't moved despite all the betting, right? I mean, that's that's something that you really got to be focusing on. And I don't know, I guess I, I think people are just so down on the Bears in general, so they're not paying attention to the statistics, right? They're just looking at the Bears and saying, there's no way in hell the Bears are going to win seven games. They're a crappy team. Everyone knows how bad they are. And, and that's really what people are looking at. And they're not looking at the schedule. They're not looking at regime change. They're not looking at things that I feel like are important. So it makes me sad as a Bears fan that people are betting the under. But, I mean, the, the fact that the line hasn't moved it says a little bit about it. It says that, you know, I look at the schedule and I look at what the Bears are doing right there and with the team and, and, the, and the quarterback. And I'm like, all right, you know what? I don't know, Joe. I, I'm a homer at heart. So I feel like seven wins is very doable. I put some yeah. money on the over. I feel like you know, with the easy schedule, but then my friends are, you know, you go through the schedule like most fans do and you try to pinpoint where the victories are. But the fact of the matter is this, they're going to win some games that they probably shouldn't and they're going to lose some games that they probably should. But it's just a matter of where that's going to, you know, level out with the bears winning six games last year. I just think to myself, okay, with the team being in in better spirits, right. With a, a less schedule. If you believe in Justin Fields and what he should be doing, then maybe he could, you know, he, could, he got seven wins. You know, we saw what happened with Nagy's first year. People like to play hard for the new coach, you know, and I could see that happening with this kind of offense. I'm just worried about their defense. Do, do both sides of the ball worry you, Joe, or is it just one in particular? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. With all the new players that they have, 100%. I think under six and a half is a tough putt. Now, I'm not telling you bet over on the Bears win total. That's hard for me to say, even though we could see a seven and 10 season, get the first year uh, bump with the, with the brand new head coach and the regime change. I mean, that's quite normal. We do see that Gabe, but just seeing that this is the most popular bet and the public is betting and under is screaming at me that you might want to look at the other side or at worst, just don't run along with everybody because you might remember in the very beginning, there were some sports books that opened it at seven and a half. And I think you were doing the midday show and I, I mentioned it to you. I believe it was you and Grody <laughs> yeah, yeah. and you were like, what, what? Seven and a half. Was, and, and you are a bears homer admittedly. And we couldn't believe it was seven and a half. Well, Gabe now it's six and a half. So that yeah. does tell us something, right? Yeah. That, that it, it's unreal to think that the team is in this, in this position, but Hey man, we, what we do know is this, if the favorite or the obvious hit, all the time, we'd all be rich. 
and that's not the case. So well, they know what they're doing over there. You know what the third most popular bet right now is? Oh, geez. What? Lions over six and a half. <laughs> oh, my God. Really? <laughs> yes. Oh, I knew it, though. People fell in love with Dan Campbell. They had the second best against the spread record. They were a huge dog and they would fight to the end and they would lose all of those one score games. So people are naturally thinking it's going to get better. Well, football isn't that easy, but I do know that they're going to fall in love with this man all over again once they start airing hard knocks. So that is not a surprise to me that Detroit is a popular bet. Jets over. Colts over, I can buy. But Jets over and you're laying a ton of juice. I just thought it was pretty notable here. And, And see, I think you should feel better as a diehard Bears fans. You should when you see the under six and a half, because we know how often the the most public bet on the board goes wrong when we're talking season win totals. Yeah. And I think that, you know, listen, I mean, if you're if you are a true Bears fan, you got to say to yourself, OK, well, how can they get to seven? Well, you think better play from Justin Fields. I don't expect him to be an all pro type player, but I do expect him to be better. You think about your backfield with David Montgomery, obviously Khalil Herbert. I mean, that's solidified. And, and you know, you do have some receivers in there, a lot of like mid-level speedy guys that could be good weapons for Justin Fields. And then when you're looking at the defensive side of the ball, Joe, we saw it, man. Bears lost a ton of games in the fourth quarter because of their defense. And mm-hmm. so when you put out a secondary, that's a tad bit better. You didn't have Khalil Mack anyway. So you just you just feel like maybe some grit and grind can get you to that seven win, low scoring games, ugly games all season long, like such a bear season, right? Where you win seven, you miss the playoffs and you beat some teams that probably go into the deep of the playoffs like last year with the Bengals. But then you lose some some heartbreakers to some really bad teams. And I just I think that's how they're going to end up getting to seven on the dot. Here's what I think you can hold on to as a Bears fan. Now, we don't know if Justin Fields is going to be good, and we're just hoping that we can be closer to an answer by the end of the season. But if you look at the opposing quarterbacks, maybe Davis Mills for Houston, (laughs) Carson Wentz for Washington, I'm not a Tua guy for Miami. We believe Mariota for Atlanta. Who knows if Zach Wilson's any good with the Jets? Goff a couple of times, Cousins who can blow up a couple of times, and the Bears have had a lot of success against Minnesota in recent years. So just that list of quarterbacks, and we haven't even considered potential injuries, which just happens. It's a part sure. of the game. So I, I think that's something that, that you can really hold on to if, if you're still a faithful Bears fan for this year, at least stay out of last place, right? Yeah, that. <laughs> and when looking back at Justin Fields, you know, when you're making that argument for him to be better, the one the ones that I look at, Joe, is his completion percentage. You know, in college, he hovered right around 70% completion percentage. And in the NFL so far, he's only been right around like just below 60. So if he can just improve on that, right, just prolong some of the drives that they have, you know, get a couple more points on the board, then that's where you can see it happening. And, and you're right, but the, it, the opposing quarterbacks that they're going up against, it's not like they're far and away better than Justin Fields to the mm-hmm. for the moment. So it's going to be interesting to see what they come up with. Early odds of Joe Ostrowski, Sports Radio 670. The score, my guest, is 670. The score's Gabe Ramirez. Also find him on the BetQL Network. And Gabe, a huge White Sox fan. He's got the brand-new Southsiders podcast. So make sure you're subscribed. Never miss an episode. And, Gabe, let's talk about your Southside team. Think about where you were on opening day 
when the White Sox were 11 to 1, a team that was viewed as a championship contender. Sitting below 500 as we approach the halfway point of the season, they are not viewed as a championship contender. And those odds for the World Series have gone from 11 to 1. I'm looking all the way down to 35 to 1. I've got to check every couple of days because they keep on dropping for obvious reasons. Got to put some more money on them. Uh, Oh, is that it? That's (laughs) where I was going. How has your opinion changed of your socks from opening day? Sure. I think, you know, you asked me where, where I was at first game of the season. I was right in front of my TV watching intently, salivating, couldn't wait. And now I just watch recaps and watch it on replay on my DVR now because I can't stomach to watch these games anymore. Um, I think the reality is this. I mean, most Chicago fans, regardless of the sport, you love your, your guys no matter what. And you always make the ceiling as high as possible. And so therefore you think, oh, Jose Abreu is going to be amazing. Always. Luis Robert, amazing. Always. Makata, always, always, always. But the reality is sometimes this doesn't happen like that. Sometimes guys have bad seasons. Sometimes, you know, it's unfortunate that it happens like that. It doesn't line up that way. And that's where this team is. And, and I think it was a tough pill for me to have to swallow it. They're, they're just a bad team right now. They can't put it together. And even the other day when they went up against the angels, they had the victory uh, with Cueto on the mound. And then the next day they put up one run. It's like the offense is the real issue there. And the fan base complains about Tony La Russa a lot, but I think ultimately you got to put it back on the players. If the, if the team can't score runs, you're not going to win. You're not going to make it to the playoffs. You're not going to make the World Series. And you're not even going to you know win your division for that matter. So I, I think you know the players really got to take the onus and, and put it on themselves and say, hey, man, we need to be doing better. And But I think what's going on a lot, Joe, is that the scapegoat is Tony La Russa. Right. So the pressure is not on them as much as it should be, because everyone's like, oh, it's the manager's fault or the manager's making bad decisions. Manager's making bad lineups. I'm the fan that's like, no, Jose Abreu has nine home runs. No, no one has 10 home runs on their team. It's like Makata. It looks like he's a, a, a sad little duckling that that his mom, the mom left him. You know what I'm saying? Like these kind of things you're, you're pointing out and you're like. You just want a little bit more from your team. So it's unfortunate. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm a guy who's thinking in the present. I'm the realist. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to hope for them to be better. I'll, I'll cheer for them when they do. But in the present, I'm just like, no, you're a bad team. You're a third place AL Central team, which is what you've been for the last decade. And I'm just accepting that for what it is. If you would have told me in April that uh, around the midway mark, you could get the White Sox at plus you know, 185, almost plus 200 to win the division, I would say you jump on it and don't think about it. You get some positive regression in the second half of the season. But after watching the first half, I can't even recommend that bet, Gabe. Would you recommend that bet getting nearly two to one on the Sox to win a bad division? No, and and, and the reason is, has more to do with the Minnesota Twins and how they're playing. If you're a Sox fan and you've been watching this division for you know your, your entire life, you know that the Twins never have a ton of talent, but they always somehow find a way to win and put victories together. And they sneak up on teams, especially in the regular season. They don't not they don't perform well in the playoffs because that's when you're facing up against the best teams and the, when the lights are on you. But they're a team that when they come into your ballpark, you think to yourself, "Oh, it's the Twins. I'm good. We're good. Doesn't matter. We're going to win the series or we're going to win this particular game." And they surprise you. They put some hits together. They play a little bit of small ball. One or two other guys in the middle of the lineup smacks a home run. And next thing you know, you're down five to two and you don't even know what happened. And you can't battle back because they have great pitching. It's just it's the Twins organization and what, how they've been built for the last two decades and what they continue to do. And so that's, for me, the reason why I wouldn't bet it because because of the Twins. And it's not that I think there's some great team. They just take teams by surprise and they're going to continue to pile on victories. All right. So I've got a potential 
positive White Sox angle. Oh, Want to find out if you're buying it all. And it's about a specific player. I'm okay? buying it already. If it's positive okay. and it's about the White Sox, I'm buying it. <laughs> it is. It is. And, and, and I think it's kind of flying under the radar a little bit. At least, at least I believe it is. Maybe I'm just completely out of touch. Now, Shohei Otani, you mentioned that game the other day. We saw it. Dude is just unbelievable right now. And he's known more for what he's doing on the mound. And he is in the mix for this. Right now, he is your fifth favorite for American League Cy Young. McClanahan, the favorite. Verlander up there. Alec Manoa, Garrett Cole also there. Then there's Dylan Cease. Mm. When you talk about winning the Cy Young Award, it's about... Of course, ERA is going to be looked at. It is not the number one factor. Workload, strikeout rate. And his Ks per nine, he is on an island by himself. That's how far above he is from everyone else. It is cease number one. Then you drop down a little bit, and then you're going to see McClanahan, who's had an awesome season. There's a reason he's the favorite for the Cy Young. He checks the strikeout box, and the innings worked. Now he's going deeper in games, and that was always the issue right. with Cease, and it was the case for the majority of the season, but we've seen the last uh, couple of starts, six innings, seven innings, awesome last Sunday. Dylan Cease, you don't need to be a 200-inning guy anymore because you don't find them anymore. What was Burns, 165 when he won it for the National League last year, somewhere in that neighborhood? So I think there is a possibility that Dylan Cease could win the Cy Young if he can continue to go deep into games. And he was 20 to one on Monday morning. Then people bet it down to 12, 14. And now we're getting a better number. I see it as high as 17 to one. Can you see Cease winning the Cy this year? Uh, it breaks my heart to say no, but that's, that's my answer. It, 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 he makes a great case for it though. And I think that what you normally see normally is the Cy Young winner on a good team, right? I and mean, despite the fact of how they're pitching. And, I mean, he has been pitching well. I mean, Jesus, when you're talking about seven out of his last eight games, he's he hasn't allowed more than one run, which is incredible. You know, if you were to throw yeah. out that that crappy one in, in, in uh, at home against the Red Sox, I mean, he's just pitching phenomenally. But but you're right, he's going deeper into games. But a lot of those games have been against bad teams, right? Orioles, Tigers, you know, the Cubs, the Royals. And against the good teams, he hasn't been pitching particularly well, except for the, the Dodgers game he did all right, even though he let up a bunch of runs. But, I mean, it's 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 his command on the mound. And that and if, if he continues to do it, right, there's, there's still a bunch of months left. And he, if he can continue at that pace, then, yeah, it's a great bet, because especially at those odds, because he has been pitching that well. And if the Sox can get him some some wins, then then, then that's going to look great for, for his his argument. But I, I think in the present, it's just it's tough for me. Maybe it's just because I am a Sox fan and I just know how bad this team is. It's tough for me to to put my money on in any area <laughs> that's positive. That's positive. You know, I'm just yeah. like, they're going to disappoint me in the long run. It's like, it's like when you have a, like, like a bad boyfriend or a girlfriend that cheats on you, you know, you, you can only take them back so many times. <laughs> you can't give them the benefit. You can't keep giving them the benefit of the doubt. You kind of just got to like, let them walk away and just, and if they do well later in life, you could be like, Hey man, I'm happy for you. But, but I didn't, I didn't expect it, <laughs> nor did I bet on it for you. Uh, but he has been pitching well though. I mean, you got to give him that tip of cap to, to Dylan Cease. I mean, I know Cubs fans are kicking themselves because of how well he's playing right now and, yeah. and the Sox fans are just what what Han just said that was one of his best trades and one that he always looks at is the Eloy Cease one so you know I'm, I'm happy he's here on the south side 
Cease going today in a pitcher's park at San Francisco. Looking forward to see how he performs later this afternoon. Early odds with Joe Ostrowski, Sports Radio 670. The score, Gabe Ramirez at Chicago underscore Gabe on Twitter. You hear him weeknights right here on The Score. Also check out BetQL Network on the Odyssey app. He's got Chalk Talk later today, 6 to 7 o'clock. And of course, subscribe to the Southsiders podcast. Gabe, this was a lot of fun. Uh, let's check in again as we get real close to the football season. All right, Joe, anytime I could chat with you, I'm always on board. Can't wait to do it again. Appreciate you, Gabe. Did you know that the USFL championship game is tomorrow? Maybe you haven't watched a game all year, but you want to place a wager on said game. And is the Big Ten one of two or three big conferences, soon to be leagues, in college football, in college hoops? An expert in both fields drops by next. Thanks for listening to Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski, Saturdays 8 to 9 a.m. on 670 The Score and the Odyssey app. The Score listener line is open 24-7, 365, empowered by BetQL. Bet smarter and beat the books. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. Early odds with Joe Ostrowski here on 670 The Score. Hope you're enjoying the start to an extended weekend for this 4th of July. Thursday, a sad day for college football, but I'm pretty numb to it all at this point. We got into more movement and a bet for tomorrow's USFL championship with Emery Hunt of CBS Sports HQ on BetQL Daily. Take a listen. I love the matchup, man, because you have one of the more exciting teams in Philadelphia coming into this ball game. It's a tale of two seasons for them. The first half of the season, their offense was inconsistent. Their defense couldn't really stop anybody. They started to tighten up on the back end defensively. And once they went to Case Cook as that quarterback, that offense lit up and changed, and they became much more dynamic, much more consistent. And they're playing one of the more steady teams in Birmingham, who from start to finish has been excellent on defense. And offensively, they're getting great play from Jamar Smith. I thought he was locked in last weekend in their playoff game against New Orleans. And both matchups to me are both teams. It's a strength versus strength battle. Great offense versus great defense. I'm excited to see how it's going to play out. Birmingham favored by four and a half. Total of 45. Anything you like? I, I will take Philadelphia in the points here. That point spread to me seems a bit high for what we've been seeing all season long from the USFL. So I do like Philadelphia to keep this one close. I may even sprinkle some on the money line for Philadelphia to win this ball game outright. I love their offense, their ability to work touchdown to check down. It's the defense that worries me a little bit, but I don't fear Birmingham's offense like I do any other team that has the ability to be a quick strike offense. Birmingham is more death by a thousand cuts, but I feel like with Philadelphia's defense being what it is, I can take them to win outright as well over Birmingham. Speaking of the NFL, are there any teams that may be flying under the radar a little bit, but you're buying stock in? Like Once we get past those top teams on the odds board, Chargers are always a popular bet. Now you've got Russ in Denver. We're going to eliminate him. Same thing with Dallas. But once you get further down the board, Baltimore, Indy, Arizona, Miami, Vegas, any of those or any other team flying under the radar that you like this season? There are a couple, man. Baltimore, you mentioned it. Once they got everybody back healthy, you have to put them as one of the favorites, not only in the AFC North, but in the AFC. 
Indianapolis to me is a sleeper uh, because they're getting improved play at quarterback with Matt Ryan, who probably has his best roster that he's had in quite some time. They have a foundational back in Jonathan Taylor, good options out there on the perimeter. I think their defense will be a direct beneficiary of an offense that can now sustain drives and put the ball in the end zone. People are sleeping on Miami. The Dolphins, to me, have an excellent roster, and they have the bit of the unknown with Mike McDaniel is now the head football coach. So I feel like people are underselling the Dolphins, who have been flirting with the playoff berth the last couple of years, and so now they look ready to break through. I would also keep an eye out on Seattle. I know people don't talk about Seattle because they don't have Russell Wilson, um, and justifiably so, but don't undersell Geno Smith and the camaraderie he has with that team and, and the, the value that he's built up over the years backing up Russell Wilson. The Seahawks, to me, on paper, have a good roster, a roster that can compete. And if Geno can play stabilized football, can kind of drive the bus, so to speak, Seattle has enough to be a nuisance and could potentially fight for that, uh, that seventh playoff spot. And I would also toss out New Orleans. Jameis Winston is back healthy. That receiving core looks like it's the best they've had since the Joe Horn, Jerome Payton era. I know some people may also bring in Marcus Colson and and uh, what they had also in Lance Moore. I can I can take that argument as well. But when you talk about Chris Olave, Jarvis Landry, Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara in the backfield, Jameis Winston working touchdown and check down the passing game. You can't forget about Callaway and also Hardy, Deontay Hardy, um, the speedster that also gets deep down the field. This Saints team, along with what could be the best defense in the NFC, they could be the NFC favorite, in my opinion. Now I'm thinking of the during, uh, the, the cell phone celebration when he, when he got the cell phone after he caught the touchdown here. It's a blast from the past. Emery, all right, let's jump to college football here, Emery. we got to get your thoughts on what happened yesterday. USC, UCLA to the Big Ten. What's your thought on what's happened to college football? I just I know I can't wait for the Saturday afternoon Rutgers-UCLA Big Ten game. That just that screams Big Ten to me. I hate the, the fact that we're now in a situation where this is a, a reality. I'm a traditionalist. I love smaller regional conference matchups. That's what makes college football so unique. And I guarantee if you had a moment of clarity uh, off the record with a lot of ADs around the country, they would say the same thing. They would rather bust leagues than having UCLA play Rutgers at you know 6 a.m. local time uh, for, for UCLA. Uh, but I do love the matchups. I'm excited to see a conference game between USC and Ohio State. You know, So I feel like it's become a, even more so of a business and it had already been, it has been a quiet business, but it's now becoming a loud business. Um, I wish we go back to these smaller regional conferences where you can develop that rivalry and, and have unique styles of play. But I feel like now everything has become national to where it takes away what college football used to be all about. Yeah. And I think most college football fans would agree with you. Such a big part of uh, college sports is that tradition. I'm in the area of Notre Dame and Michigan in in Big Ten country. And now that is just completely out the window. Uh, When it's all said and done, when this thing settles in a few years, how many major conferences are we going to be talking about? Um, I would probably say three to four, maybe three, because right now, if you're the ACC, you're, you're hoping the SEC is not looking at Florida State, Miami, Georgia Tech, and Clemson. You know, because if you lose those four to the SEC, the ACC is non-existent, right? Um, and the Pac-12, yeah, they could grab a, a few teams here there, but you lose your two landmark programs in USC and UCLA, it makes it tough for the Pac-12. So maybe three or four. But if you're the Big 12, 
um, you probably can recoup some some teams and and scoop up some other ones, but it's going to be hard for you too because you lost your Oklahoma and Texas. Uh, so I, I'm guessing maybe three super conferences. We'll eventually adjust. That was football analyst Emery Hunt with myself and Joe Giglio on BetQL Daily. The full conversation on the pod. It includes some NFL MVP chatter. Getting ahead of MLB buyers and sellers. Let's cover it with weekly contributor Jim Miller. You've got early odds with Joe Ostrowski. Saturdays, 8 to 9 a.m. on 670 The Score and the Odyssey app. PointsBet Sportsbook is your home for live in-play betting. Don't just watch the game. Bet along with it live. More live betting, more live markets, and faster live cash outs. Follow along with your bets the moment they hit and stay in the live action all game long. Download the PointsBet app today and get your first bets risk-free up to $2,000 once the game starts. Don't just bet. Live your bet life with points bet. Welcome back on Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski. Hope you're enjoying the start to the holiday weekend for many. And we bring in our buddy Jim Miller from Hawthorne Racecourse and Points Bet Sportsbook. Jim, trade deadline about a month away. So I know that's where you're putting your focus. Yeah, I am. And I'm going to put my focus kind of on the wagering aspect of things, Joe, because really now's the time to determine, okay, do you think these teams are going to be buyers or are they going to be sellers? Because we know at the start of every week, updated win-loss totals and over-unders are posted for all these teams. And to me, if you think a team's going to buy, maybe you want to look to go with that over for the win total. If you think they're going to sell, then you look to the under. So there's a whole lot of teams here, both in the AL and NL, that I think are kind of borderline teams. And I just want to get your thoughts on if you thought they were going to buy or sell. All right, perfect. I, I love that we saw that last year, the majority of sports books reposting win totals. Some do it on a weekly basis, but everyone does it when MLB shuts down for the majority of All-Star Week. So let's start throwing some teams out there. Uh, what's the first thing you're thinking? Start with the hometown team. Start with the White Sox. You're looking at them right now. They have to leapfrog four teams in the wild card if they want to get into the wild card. They're sitting third in the division right now. They've been really disappointing this year. So much has gone wrong. They've been lucky to hover around 500. What do you think they're going to do? But they are in a winnable division and hovering around a 30% chance to win the division. Yeah, they're no longer the favorite, but it, it's still closer to a coin flip that they're going to make the playoffs. So I still think that the White Sox are going to buy. You cannot waste a team. I know it's probably silly to most outsiders talking about a championship window and you're not sure if you're going to be in the postseason or not, but with, with everything that's gone wrong this year again, and maybe it's just the makeup of the roster at this point, I still think you can't waste one of these years and they've got, they've got to go. Maybe not 100% pedal to the metal go, but you've got to do something to improve the roster. Yeah, you think you'd have to hope they're going to do something. I mean, we, we definitely talked about the under at the start of the year when we were seeing those totals up in the 90s. They're definitely oh, not going to get to that. That number. ain't happening. <laughs> so you're looking, I mean, you're looking now probably 83, 84 uh, numbers around there. And, and then even then you have to determine, okay, that yes, their schedule does get a little bit easier the second half of the season. But the question is just how healthy are they going to be? How well are they going to play? How are they going to respond? I, a lot of players are saying the right things about Tony. I'd have my questions. So we'll see on that aspect. I right. had more than, more than questions. 
Yeah. <laughs> you follow at Hawthorne Jim on Twitter. Uh, by the way, Fangraphs gives the White Sox just over a 1% chance of winning the World Series. You probably put it at zero point something. Right now, I would. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. They just they're not deep enough for pitching. They're not healthy enough. And, and it just doesn't seem like they're motivated enough either. All right. So a team that's in a very similar situation that I was high on early in the year. Now, Joe, they can't win their division. It's just not going to happen. But in the wild card race, what about the Angels? Managerial change already. You still have two of the best players on the planet on the team. And they're basically right next to the White Sox when you're talking about the wild card standings. What do you think they do? Oh, Tani. Right now, the tear that he's on, yep, worth two and a half wins over the last three weeks. Wouldn't it be so MLB voters to say wins the MVP going away this year? He's known for his dominance on the mound, so this time let's give Otani the Cy Young instead of the MVP. Yeah, with, with a few of the better players in the league, and we talked about just looking for that team to make that move in the American league. Where's it going to come from? Is it going to be from the central or one of those teams that is having a good year, but people haven't really recognized it because they're in the East and they're behind the Yankees by so much. And uh, you're considering the West angels, not the team that I'm taking a look at. How about a team that's played well recently that is also in that division. What do you think about Seattle? I mean, the Mariners and Angels, they're right there, basically the same record. Uh, but what do we think about Seattle? They, they were a team that had a lot of hype coming into the season and a very slow start. Yeah, they had all the hype coming into the season. And you look at it, I mean, early on through 77 games on the season, okay, there were five games under 500. But again, it's so wide open with just the added expanded playoffs. They're only five and a half games out of the wild card. Mm-hmm. maybe the way they're on the run. I mean, they, they've won seven to 10 going into the weekend. They're a team that is definitely on the upswing. And again, you look at their division. Okay. The Astros are good. Everybody else is just kind of playing. So, so baseball. There's no reason to think they can't go on a run. I tend to wonder, I think, I think they're just because of their youth on the team. I could see them buying and trying to make a little bit of a run, but do you prefer the angels to the Mariners? I prefer the Angels to the Mariners because of the urgency. And there's that urgency with Otani. There's that urgency with Trout. Because mm-hmm. you don't know how long you're going to have Otani. He's coming up on free agency pretty soon. So yeah. I think you have to make that move, don't you think? And that's an owner that's going to make that move. It's been so long, they're going to make that move. I agree. Any other teams that you wanted to throw out there? Well, here's the thing. Now, let's look over to the National League. Yeah. Because I want to talk about a team that you've been high on and a team that I think had really made a nice little move after the managerial change, but now they're facing injury with Bryce Harper. What do you do yeah. with the Phillies? They're only three games back in the wild card. They're a couple games above 500. But again, you're looking at this injury. What do you think the Phils do? That Harper injury is such a game changer. There's another desperate team. Historically, they're not making the playoffs very often. So they're hoping to be in the mix. If they are still hanging around in a month, I think they make a move. They'll get better. I think they have to. Yeah, yeah. They'll make a a significant move. But the problem is I'm worried that they're really going to fall off over the next month. If you look at the Phillies' offensive numbers, Harper in the lineup, Harper out of the lineup, it is staggering. Like, is this guy Babe Ruth or what? The drop-off that you see when Harper's not playing. He is, but okay, let me ask you this question then, Joe. 
how outlandish is this looking at his injuries and looking at what he's facing with the arm injury and really only being able to DH. Do you consider dealing him to get the big player back too? No, I can't. I don't, I don't think they're going to make that move. Not at this juncture. The guy won the MVP for you last year. So I don't see that happening. They would find another path and they probably believe if there is some sort of a window, I don't want to say championship window, but some sort of a window to play some successful ball that it's going to involve Bryce Harper. So I think they would find some other kind of way, but Hey, I mean, they do have a lot of hitters in that lineup, but I think they would take a step back and say, how are we getting better by trading away Bryce Harper? Yeah. And you tend to agree. I guess it would be what name comes back, but just looking at his injury issues and the fact that he's really doing nothing for you in the field the rest of the year, Made me wonder on that consideration. All right, here's the last one I wanted to look at, Joe, because I do think this team is a buyer. Only one game out of the wild card going into the weekend, but it's San Francisco. They had such an incredible year last year. This year they've been okay. They're in a very tough division, of course, because you're looking at the Dodgers and the Padres, but still, this is a team that is on the outside looking in right now for the playoffs, but right there, and there is such a drop-off in the NL after San Fran and after the Phillies right now. I think the Giants have to make moves here, don't you think? Not playing great ball right now, but overall, the run differential this year is very good. One of the better ones that we've seen in the National League, even better than the Phillies. So we, we know they have a talented roster. We know they have a very smart front office, and they're in the best division in baseball because Arizona, Colorado, you can't take those games for granted. Now, there are some other divisions around that you can take those bottom feeders for granted, and you'll do just fine. Not something that you can do on a daily basis in the National League West. But Giants, man, it's going to be tough. There's going to be a good team or two that don't make the playoffs in the National League. There's just so much more depth than we see in the American League. So it's probably going to be one of those situations that's decided in the next month. But I would say because of everything they accomplished last year, they added Rodon, that they would tinker. Maybe not yes. the big over-the-top move, but they would do something to get better. Yeah, right. I don't think they're going to sell. And I think yeah. that is one of those teams where you look at and see when you get those win, weekly win-loss totals posted and see you might be able to make a little bit of money there on the Giants. Sure. Early odds with Joe Ostrowski, Sports Radio 670. The score, we've got weekly contributor Jim Miller from Hawthorne Racecourse and Points Bet Sportsbook. I've got one for you that I'm curious. I want to get your your thoughts on because I think the Pittsburgh Pirates are in a fascinating situation. We know the record is bad, but we've seen the influx of young talent. Now O'Neill Cruz, it took like two, three games, and suddenly he's the favorite for the National League Rookie of the Year. And he's not the only guy. How about Jack Sawinski? From Taft High School, northwest side of Chicago, right by where I grew up, by the way, Jim. So you've got all these young players, and you've got Brian Reynolds hitting bombs. You see the other day when he hit three out of the park? Yes. So you've got him for a few years. What do you do if you're the Pirates? I know you're not buying, but are you selling? Here's the thing, all right? And the Pirates traditionally have been horrible about selling really good young arms. They can't do that. You can't do that. Unfortunately, some of these guys are positional players, so you're not going to do it. If you're the Pirates, maybe you consider 
looking to add a piece or two if you can Ooh. without giving up too much because this division right now, the Cubs are bad and they're getting worse. Cincinnati's bad. They, they've made the point that they're going to get worse. And we talked about it that St. Louis this year contends, but St. Louis is really old. So after this year, what happens if they start coming back down? All of a sudden, the Pirates might be two, I know. Maybe, maybe even two years away from being back in the wild card talk in the, in the National League Central. It would not surprise me if they looked at it all, but they're a team that's on the rise. And again, I think the Cubs subtract. I think the Reds are going to subtract if they can. Maybe the Pirates are a team that improves a little the second half. And that's why I asked you that question. So they have Reynolds under control for the next three years. So what do you want to do? Do you want to keep Reynolds around? Do you think you're going to win somewhere in that window? Or you can go look more long-term, and you would think you would be able to get a haul uh, much better than what Contreras is because Contreras is a rental, and you've got Reynolds for three years. Yeah, exactly. And what, you know what? With the other two guys that you mentioned, though, Cruz and, Cruz and Zweski, I think yeah. I think Reynolds is a guy that you look to possibly deal because you could get a boatload back. Uh, and if you do very, that with guys that are knocking on the door, that might be the move to make. If you can get two or three guys that you think in two or three years can be impact players on your team, why not? A lot of fascinating situations. I didn't think we'd be here talking about the Buckos as a fascinating <laughs> no. situation. Are they going to be buyers or sellers? But maybe. And, and you make a compelling case for them to be buyers this season. All right, Jim, what are we doing with the ponies today? All right. Well, we had another good week last week. We had a positive week. So Hawthorne Harness kicks off this weekend. So three harness races at Hawthorne, bet them all across the board. Race five, bet the three, call me Senorita across the board, who was really good last year and finds it easier here. Race six, bet the six, Fox Valley exploit across the board. This is an Illinois champion returning. And then race 11, bet the nine, Henry the horse across the board. It's a great horse name for a two-year-old with a talented driver. Certainly is. Jim Miller at Hawthorne Jim on Twitter of Hawthorne Racecourse and PointsBet Sportsbook. Jim, thanks as always. Enjoy the holiday weekend. You got it. Good luck this weekend. Good luck with baseball, Joe. Yeah, we got a tournament starting in a couple hours, so I've got to scoot and make way for Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw. Thanks to Jim. Thanks to Gabe Ramirez and Emery Hunt for joining me this week on Early Odds. Enjoy your 4th of July weekend. Be safe. Relax. I'm taking some time off next week, and Cody Decker will be here to talk plenty of baseball from a betting perspective. When I return, it'll be time to start cranking it up for football. If you miss any of today's show, use the rewind feature on the Odyssey app or subscribe to the Early Odds podcast. And while you're there, subscribe to BetQL Daily. Cash those tickets and keep it locked here on 670 The Score. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 